How many of us know that when you know someone or when you know God, words like or phrases like believing in God kind of become obsolete. You don't need to try and believe in him anymore when you know him. And then when you're worshipping him, it becomes real on another level. Isn't it so good? Well, I think so. Thank you for starting off the first question. Can we all read that? Thanks, mate. Awesome. So, the question. How do we usher in God's kingdom? That's a pretty loaded question. I'm I'm sure we could answer it in many different ways. And, you know, it'd take us weeks just to look at all of it. So obviously I'm not going to touch on too much of it, but lately uh, we've been talking about change and the importance for change, the need for change. Everybody needs to change, yes? You don't stay the same all the way through your life and expect to be a different person. It's only common sense, isn't it? Hallelujah, Graham. John Maxwell said, we cannot become what we need by remaining what we are. So obviously, you know what, I've got to turn this on first. Remember last time I was using this and I couldn't get it to work? Because the batteries weren't in it and I had the batteries in my pocket. Boom. Need for change. So, Change is directly proportional to how vulnerable we allow ourselves to be with God and with people. If you don't make yourself vulnerable to people, if you don't make yourself vulnerable to God, then don't expect to be a different person at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the year. It's just not going to happen. We need to allow relationship to affect us. Now, if a church is going to bring the kingdom of God a community then it must be unified yes we all believe that that's a biblical principle and to become unified a congregation needs to undergo change a congregation cannot undergo change without individual members undergoing personal change we can't just expect to ride the bandwagon and expect to rock up at a place and we know exactly what we're doing we have to allow ourselves to be transformed inside first for things outside the change Are we on the same page? Hallelujah. All right. Now, change is proportional to our vulnerability. I'm going to say this as a side point before I start getting into my main points. If a person, here's how to, uh, uh, it's a bit of an indication on whether or not you can tell someone is being changed by God. And hopefully if we're all walking with God, then we should be uh, in a journey of change by God. It may not be obvious, but it, it, We should see progress. We should be able to look back and we should be able to map progress over the last 12 months. If we're not being changed, then something is wrong. So here's a bit of an indicator to tell if either yourself or someone else is not being changed by God. Even if they say they are and they say, oh, God's done this in my life and that, well, that's fantastic. What's it actually doing in you? How is it affecting you? If a person is not vulnerable with people, then they will more than likely not be vulnerable with God. If you're in a conversation with someone and they're always putting up walls of security and they never let you in or they never let anybody in, I mean, you don't let everybody in because that's just not a very wise thing to do. But if you're with someone all the time and 
they would consider you their friend, but they never ever let you in, then chances are they're going to do the same thing to God. I mean, God can still speak to the person, but he'll only speak to them in a capacity that they will allow him to because God's not going to try and tell you something that you don't want to hear. I remember someone particularly close to me in another city said, oh, I I take everything to prayer that I consider rubbish. This is something I told the person too because I was trying to help him out. And I said, well, if you've already decided that it's rubbish, why would God get into an argument with you about it? You've already closed off your heart to it. Oh, but they didn't change anything. A person who puts up walls of security towards people will put up walls of security to God. And those kinds of people, sooner or later, will feel ineffective in their Christian walk, in their ministry, in the way they serve, and they're going to feel burnt out. That's a good sign that someone is putting up walls and that they're not making themselves vulnerable to God. So, point number one. For change, no Jesus. Now, this is our primary motivation. This, could, this should come before our desire for change. This should come before our desire for growth or um, our understanding of our purpose. Our primary motivation should be to know Jesus simply for the fact of who he is. Yes? Because Jesus is worth knowing. If he died for me and I did nothing to deserve it, he's worth knowing. He's worth loving. If he loved me that much, he's worth loving. I'd follow a person like that. Let's go to Psalm 84. I'll just read it from the book. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, there's many verses in the Bible that speak of, I just want to be with God for who God is, rather than what I can get out of it. As I said, that's, this should be our primary motivation. I just want to know God no matter what I get out of it. I don't care what I get out of it. I mean, before you come to Christ, obviously, the idea of salvation looks pretty good, you know, But when you start walking with God, God should be able to lead you to the place where you recognize who he is for who he is and then all else fades into the distance. Yeah? It's just that a healthy byproduct of knowing God is that we get things out of it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. The first time I ever read that, I was like, I don't know, I was like nine years old or something. And I thought, that's a bit pushy, isn't it? That's a bit, are you baiting me, God? You know? Are you trying to force me into a corner? Well, no. That was my nine-year-old brain trying to think of the worst in everybody. Jesus isn't forcing anything from us. It's just that if we love him, then it means we're being transformed by his love, which means we're beginning to recognize who he is, which means 
we begin to recognize that everything he says and tells us to do is a really good and beneficial thing and it's better than anything we could ever concoct ourselves. So if I love Jesus, I'm going to obey his commands. And you know what? His commands are not burdensome. It is to love one another. Is there a law against that? That's another side point. Change is holistic, affecting every part of our lives. It's not about knowledge. I want you to listen to this one. Don't throw stones at me because I'll explain it in a second. It's not about knowledge or even how deep our relationship with God goes. Because if our relationship with God seems to be deepening, but we are not seeing change in our lives, then our relationship with God is not really getting deeper. We're just knowing about God. See, there's a difference between having a real, authentic, genuine, face-to-face relationship with God and knowing everything about him. One will affect you and one won't. The other one will just give you an opinion. And opinions don't really help anybody. Especially not the person who has an opinion. If you love me. This is not so that I can get something but purely from unselfish love devoted to God for who he is. And as I said, that's from a perspective where we're already saved. Next point for change. That's a good one. Can we read that? Die to self. Been a little bit worried about can you guys read this or not? I started off with a really small font and then I got told to make it bigger and now it's still a bit. Anyway, doesn't matter. Dying to self. Luke 9.23. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. No, it's not. He's talking to a lot of people. My bad. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, I used to think that this was just all about I'm going to take up my cross daily and I'm just going to follow Jesus wherever he goes but that that could look like different places all the time. And in a sense, I was right. But where did Jesus go when he was bearing his cross? He went to go and die, didn't he? He went to go and climb a hill carrying his big plank of wood and he hung on it and he died. He went to a very specific place for a very specific purpose. He's saying that we've got to have the same mindset. Not just to follow around blindly, but to go and die to ourselves. Because what I want is not necessarily what God wants. And what God wants is best for me and for other people. When we die to ourselves, when we let go of the things that are idols in our lives or things that burden us, things that strangle our minds. When we allow ourselves to be transformed by God where those twisted parts of our personality are straightened out, we begin to see less of ourselves and we begin to see more of Christ in us, don't we? Because our perspective shifts. When we do this, and when our perspective changes, we begin to capture the heart of God, not by theory, but by revelation. Big one. 
that's when your spirit explodes and it affects your mind to the point where it changes you so much and that explosion sets you on fire and you just want to go and do something. It is so much different from just hearing it from someone else, like me, talking to you, and then you go, oh, that's a really good idea. Hmm, I understand that. You know, we can understand things, but it doesn't mean it necessarily changes us, does it? Revelation of Jesus Christ is what changes us. Amen? So often we can put ourselves in a box of comfort. I said the word comfortability like six times in my last sermon and then I found out it wasn't a word at all. So I'm just going to say comfort. We don't like to step outside our comfort zones. We don't like to try new things. We like to stick to what we know, don't we? I mean, we as humans, we tend to do that, but it's such an unhealthy thing to do. That's how tradition starts. That's how religion gets deformed. That's how anything gets deformed. We do the same things just because that's what we know. Which means we need to dare to live uncomfortably all the time. It should be a lifestyle. We must challenge ourselves and embrace confrontation. I don't mean get all up in someone's grills and pick a fight or something like that. But when a circumstance is confronting to you, we actually need to thank God and say, you know what, this is going to stretch me. This is going to grow me. This is going to change me. I need this. Thank you for this opportunity. Instead of despairing like we always do because it's not in our control. When we want to know Jesus for who he is and we love Jesus for who he is and he begins to change our perspective and he begins to transform us, then we begin to understand things like purpose, things we're meant to do. When we see the big picture, we start to see our place in it like an individual puzzle piece in a giant photograph. When we see our place in it, that's when we start to see things that we want to do to make a difference. And these God-breathed passions inside us well up. See, there's a difference between my desires and godly desires in me, isn't there? I can want whatever I want. But godly desires are beneficial for me and they're beneficial for every single person around me. And that's what I was born to do. I can try and look for it in anything else. I can try and look for satisfaction in anything else, but I'm not going to experience satisfaction in what I do until I'm living out God-breathed passions. So what am I passionate about? That's another question. We'll, we'll address that later on. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking, by the way. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
Now, if I do not allow myself to be challenged or experience discomfort, then I will not allow myself to be changed, pure and simple. I therefore render myself useless and I become the branch that offers no fruit. I cannot understand nor can I achieve my purpose because I am not stepping outside of what I know. Now, I'll talk about purpose a little bit in a minute, but I want to say this about it first. Purpose looks like, and I say looks like, I'm not necessarily saying it is. This is just a facet of purpose, but it's not the whole diamond. Purpose looks like what we are passionate about, the things that we can do. It's our number one purpose. I've heard it said from a man that usually sits about right there. He's not here today. I cannot stress this to you enough, Jamie. Purpose is entirely, no more and no less, to be a friend of God. That is it. It's not more complicated than that. It's nothing lower than that. We don't need to try and draw more out of that. That is it. Our purpose, every single person's purpose, is to be a friend of God. Are you with me? But that bears the notion, doesn't it? Not everybody right now is a friend of God. So that notion bears the, what's the word? Responsibility? I have it here, I think. Ah, the notion bears the challenge. I love that word. How do I help people to be a friend of God? How do I bring them to Jesus so that they can meet Jesus and then make that decision for themselves? I want to be a friend of you. And then how do I teach them to continue being a friend of God? That looks like so many different things. And thank God there's so many different people in here to help accomplish that. Because your purpose or your ability to be a friend and teach people to be a friend of God is unique to you. It's not going to be the same as the person next to you. Hello, Peyton. How do I help people to be a friend of God? That's where your passion comes in. Amen? Come on. All right. Now, I did say earlier that personal change. No, I didn't, actually. I don't think I did. She loves me. Now, I spoke about unity earlier. I spoke about us all being together. And how are we to usher in God's kingdom? Well, that is done with the unified church. And I'm talking about personal change. Well, the thing is, personal change, I did say this a little bit before, personal change brings corporate change. Personal change changes the church as a whole. If everybody's doing their bit and everybody is being changed in whatever way God needs to change them, then that means he's going to bring us all to the same page because we are one body, yes? We have to trust God in that. So when I say personal change brings corporate change, here's how it ties in. Knowing Jesus for who he is, not what I can get out of it, transforms our mind to be like his. We all agree with this, I hope. We then view people differently. 
We come to understand people despite their faults and we support them and encourage them and start to walk beside them. All of a sudden, we've got things in common that we didn't have in common before. All of a sudden, you see deeper into a person where you couldn't see before. Before, you just saw all the ways that they rubbed you that were wrong. You know? All the ways they frustrated you. And now you're thinking, hang on a tick, I can put up with that now. And I don't even have a problem with that because I'm seeing them with the eyes of Jesus. That's the first step to unity. Come on. Number two, I spoke about dying to ourselves and capturing the heart of God. If we begin doing this, then we are effectively building relationships of trust and appreciation with people and we are then all beginning to see the same thing that we can work towards. And that's called vision. We see the same thing to work towards. And when we all begin working toward that vision, we call that unity. A simple analogy. I like football. Does everybody in a football team do exactly the same thing as each other? Do they all have the same function? No. So are they not unified? They are unified. They're all doing different things to achieve the same purpose. To score tries, to win, and to flog the other team. Amen. Yeah. Preach. Churches are no different. Businesses are no different. Families are no different. Unity is diversity. Ugh. How many of us get that wrong all the time? If everybody in a church is doing exactly the same thing, something's really wrong. Everybody should be doing different things because everybody is a different person and every single person should be uniquely celebrated. Amen? Come on. When we capture the heart of God, when we see the vision, we begin to learn how we can contribute. And when we all recognize how we can contribute and we work together in that, that's when we begin to usher in God's kingdom. Now we've all seen, well, many of us have seen videos and YouTube clips and stuff like that where people are walking up to people in the streets and they pray for a broken leg and they get healed and then they give their lives to Jesus and, you know, it's all a wonderful experience and everyone cries and, yeah, that's so awesome. And you know what it is? That's really good and that should happen all the time. I think it's fantastic. But that's not all the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like many different things. It looks like many different ministries. It looks like relationship it looks like discipleship. Come on, there's so much to the kingdom of God and it's so simple at the same time. But everyone has a role to play and, and we tend to think, oh, I can't do that. Well, you probably can actually. You're just putting yourself in a box, but it's probably not your greatest passion. So come on, let's find out what you're passionate about. Let's start moving you in that. Let's go. Come on. Get beside people. Encourage people. Believe in people. Come on. Now, your role, your 
individual role is unique to you. No one else owns it. Okay? But it should contribute to the unified body for the purpose of reconciling this community and beyond to Jesus. And when reconciliation comes, transformation starts to come. Amen? So, I have a couple of questions for us to think about. I don't really want you to think about them so much now. I want you to go home, want you to get a pen, paper, whatever it is you write in. If you don't write anything, get something to write in. If you don't have anything to write in, draw on someone's face that lives in your house. Be confrontational. <laughs> I want you to prayerfully consider these things. I want you to do it today too when you've got some spare time or you know, before you go to bed tonight or something like that. Number one. What am I passionate about when it comes to the kingdom of God? Where do I want to make a difference? Where do my, where do my God-breathed, God-breathed desires look? And chances are you're not just going to write down one thing. You might write a couple of different things and they might look completely unrelated. That's okay. You know? Maybe you love to teach. Maybe you love evangelism. Maybe you like to target a, a specific type of person. You know? Maybe it's drug addicts or something like that. I don't know. Particular social groups. Whatever it is that makes your heart burn and long to bring them Jesus. I want you to write it down. I want you to prayerfully consider it. God, what am I passionate about? Because often we don't even know. Do you know two-thirds of the teenagers that I ask, what do you enjoy doing? They don't know. And they say, I enjoy eating and sleeping. No, that doesn't count. That's survival. <laughs> That's not a hobby. I mean, well, it shouldn't be a hobby. They're even my hobbies, but I don't include them in my hobbies. Come on, explore yourself. It's funny, a lot of adults don't even know what they're passionate about. They're so caught up in life that they don't even know what they enjoy. That's really sad. But then again, there's a difference between what you like and what your God-breathed passions are. Pray. Ask God. Find out. What am I passionate about? Whatever he leads you to first, whatever first pops into your mind, I could be Jesus to those people. I could bring this to them. I could offer them this. I could bring change in their life by this. What am I passionate about concerning the kingdom of God? Number two, really practical. How can I get involved? What's, what's the steps that I take to start doing these things? Is there a ministry that already operates in this? And if there isn't, can I start something? Hallelujah. There's a novel idea. Maybe I could be a pioneer. Maybe I could begin something. It's not like God made me creative or anything. How can I get involved? Number three. Last question. What changes do I need to make to see this happen? We cannot become what we need by remaining what we are. 
if you think you can remain who you are and go and do new things, you're dreaming. It ain't going to happen. We all need to change. Change is a healthy sign. It's, a, it's what happens in a relationship with God. It's what happens if we're choosing to humble ourselves. We need to get over ourselves. We need to start living uncomfortably and challenge ourselves. And stop being afraid to fail. Gosh. We're so afraid of making mistakes. We're people. It's what we do. Get over it. Be proud of it. Yeah, I did that. That was a blunder. But do you know what God did in it? Come on. Let's start trusting in God instead of ourselves. Amen? Can we stand? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, first of all, for who you are. We want to know you, first of all, for who you are. And we want to learn to love you more and more simply for who you are and not what we can get out of it. Reveal yourself to us, God. Make yourself known to us. You are infinite and we are finite, but we can never know enough about you, God. Show us yourself. Purify us. You said, Father, the pure in heart will see God. Help us to see you. Help us to know you and appreciate you and trust in you in everything. May our relationship with you be deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and never stop getting deeper. May we think of you. May you be our first thought when we wake up and our last thought when we go to bed. Guide us every day. Change us every day. May we never be the same one day to the next. Show us, Father, what you have designed us to do in outworking what our relationship with you looks like. Breathe your passions into us, God. You made us, Father. You made our personalities. You made our characteristics. You made what we are passionate about. So, Father, reveal those things to us. May we be humble. May we lower ourselves. May we let go of this image that we try and portray to everybody else and help us to just be ourselves with other people and to see into other people the way you see into other people, and to believe in other people the way you believe in other people, and to know people the way you know people. That we can trust and appreciate each other, and act as a family should act, be as a family should be. Not just for ourselves, Father, but to be a blessing to everybody we come into contact with, and to bring change to the world. May we know you more and more. Father, we pray these things in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Sweet. <laughs>